You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you all this evening. Uh, I've just come back from Manchester Raceback uh, to do this talk. Um, Jenny and I were spending some time with uh, the vineyard over there and a great church. And so did some speaking, invest some tea in this afternoon. And uh, it's good to be the right side of the M62. That's awesome. So we're in a series looking at spiritual gifts. Josh did such a great introduction last week. I uh, really encourage you to, I actually think is one of the best introductions I've ever heard on spiritual gifts. And so um, make sure you listen to that if you haven't heard that. And um, tonight we're talking about tongues and how many of you know, particularly if you're married, communication is important. And uh, trust me, it's uh, self-disclosure, someone who gets communication wrong a lot, it is the most important thing you can ever invest in. And so we should be really keen to find out uh, how does God communicate with us and how do we communicate with God? That's probably like the most important thing we could do. Uh, and, um, and this is what this is all about. It's probably one of the most controversial of all the gifts. Um, this gift has actually split entire church denominations over the years. I, I won't name them, but I can think of some. They meet in this city and they will agree with everything except for this one thing. And not actually they don't agree with the fact that there is a gift, but just how important it really is. Uh, it's amazing. People can be really polemic with it. On one side of the extreme, it's kind of tongues is the be all and end all. It's kind of like the real marker of, of spiritual maturity and being filled with the spirit and spiritual gifting. And the other side of the spectrum, um, especially if what you call cessationists, where we don't believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit are for today, is then this can be really not important. And then you have lots of church streams that operate um, in between. So it's controversial. It's really misunderstood. And, um, and let's be honest, for a lot of people it's weird. And actually the, one of the texts we'll look at tonight kind of affirms that that this is not something that um, people will think you're in your right mind if you do, okay? So um, it's a really interesting uh, subject. And um, where I land on it is that at the end of the day, it's in the Bible, so we can't ignore it. And it's a gift, And if God gives us a gift, I don't really want to just shun it and say, that's too weird for me, that's too controversial, I don't really get it. Lots of people would think different things, so therefore I'll retreat. I think God's got a gift for us, I want to see what that gift's about, and I want to open that gift. And if he wants to give us a gift, and he talks about it in his Bible, then it must be something that's actually really important to him. And just as someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, I've just, it's really simple. If something's important to Jesus, it ought to be important to me. And that's kind of like where, 
where I land on it. And so it's not something I think we should major on in terms of the be-all and end-all. It's not something we should minor on and that it's insignificant. I just think we need to look at what the Bible has to say about it. I'll do my best to unpack it and then we leave it up to you and God to have a conversation, maybe in tongues. <laughs> so I think one of the foundational things as, you, as we go through this whole series and as you look um, at spiritual gifts is I think it's really actually helpful is to kind of look at the difference between tongues and prophecy. Because actually if you keep looking at the difference between tongues and prophecy, and uh, we'll be looking at prophecy I think in a couple of, of weeks, I think it's really helpful to see, um, see the differences and why in particular prophecy is something that is talked about in, it's like, oh, it's the greater of the gifts. And clearly that's because something like prophecy is there to build up the whole church. And I think anything that builds up the corporate body of Christ is always going to be kind of more important than just something that's good for the individual. That's kind of like common sense, isn't it? It feels like, especially in church like this, um, we're not here to kind of do our own thing, but we're actually here to connect with Jesus, but also we do this thing together. And that's why we have like, you know, we, we sing songs together because it's something we can do in unity, kind of in one voice as we communicate our love for Jesus, but in a way which builds up unity and community. And so I think that's really, really important. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take us through some scripture, and I'd love for you to track with me. And as we do that, we'll be able to kind of get a, a feel for it. And by the end of it, I'm kind of hoping you'll go, yeah, I, I see this, I get it. So that'll be really, really important. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are three different types of tongues, okay? This just to add a little bit of complication. There's private, interpretation, and translation, okay? So three types of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's start at the beginning. I'm just going to go through this. Verse 1. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay, so first up, God doesn't want us to be ignorant about any of the spiritual gifts. Another word there, he doesn't want us to be uninformed. Okay, so the whole point of this evening is to be not ignorant and to be informed. Okay, so Paul's really clear. He's, he's setting that out at the beginning of, uh, of the passage uh, that it's really clear. And, and note in verse 2, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led straight to mute idols. Okay, highlight the word mute. There's a difference between a mute idol, a God who doesn't speak, and the God who speaks. Okay, so I want you to see the, the, the emphasis here when it comes to the Holy Spirit through Paul is that this is all about communication. This is all about we worship a God who speaks today. Okay, so that's really important. We worship a God who speaks today. And so if God is speaking, we want to hear what he has to say. And our, our, our priority and first place is always God's written word, the Bible. 
And so, uh, but, and, and, and what the Spirit says is on top of that, but always in line with the Bible. Verse 7. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay? So it's really important that we also know this, that when we do the gifts of the Spirit, it is for the common good. It's not just for our benefit, but it is for everybody else's benefit. And then we land at, one, at this gift of tongues. Verse 10. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So notice there are two gifts. Speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Different gifts, which we will briefly unpack. Okay, fast forward. Chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak, so he's now saying, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Okay, here's a clue. There's something about the gift of tongues which is angelic. Okay? So actually it is the tongues of men and of angels. Okay? But have not love, I'm only a resounding gong. So number one, there's a clue there, angelic language, but this is really important. Tongues, in fact any spiritual gift, but particular tongues, is not to be seen as some kind of trophy. So what was going on here at the Corinthian church is the church was a mess. Really important you know that, absolute mess. Lots of people were getting saved and transformed, which was awesome, but there was no order there. Uh, and, and a lot of people were boasting that they have this trophy, they have this spiritual gift. Hey, I speak in tongues, and yet they get drunk at the communion table. There's a bit of like disparity there, isn't there? And we see that even today where, again, like I said at the beginning, a lot of people say, hey, I speak in tongues, or they kind of do it in a way which is, that, that's like, it's like a trophy. I'm really good, I'm a proper Christian, I'm better than the others, I have a superhuman power. And so, what? And this, I mean, this is a text we do at weddings, right? I'm doing a wedding at the end of this month, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this passage. And yet, we just gloss over that. And most of the congregation aren't churchgoers. It's like, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only resounding gong. What's also interesting in that is that though the church was a mess, there was no withholding of teaching on spiritual gifts. Okay? Which is really fascinating to me. You'd think, okay, no, 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 let's just press pause on the gifts of the Holy Spirit sermon series and let's just deal with a few character issues and basics of Christianity in the church. And Paul's like, no, Joe, even when things are a mess, we're going to let these things happen because this is what God wants to do. He's speaking. It's really important. It's about building up the body of Christ but we're going to bring some teaching and order to it, okay? So uh, I, I love the fact that that doesn't kind of distract from the, the emphasis on how important spiritual gifts are. Verse 8. Are we there? Love never fails. This is just a bit of a, an aside in parenthesis. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. 
But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. So that word perfection, so this is actually where church streams completely go their own paths. So you have cessationists who believe that that, that text there, right there, means that perfection is when the canon of scripture was put together. So God speaks through the Bible. He doesn't need to speak on top of that or in line with that or parallel to that in these ways like spiritual gifts. So when perfection comes, therefore, things like prophecy and tongues have passed away. So we don't need to bother with that. So there are whole church streams that go down that route. Our particular stream, and majority, if I'm honest, it's quite rare to find cessationists these days. Um, even if churches don't practice this stuff, they would say that maybe they, they have a theology of it. Is that we believe that the perfection it's talking about is consummation. In other words, when Jesus comes again, when this whole thing is wrapped up. So until that happens, and the whole world knows who Jesus is, and every tongue confesses who he is, and every knee will bow, we're going to do the stuff. Okay, this is church life for us. And so that's just a, something in parenthesis. Okay, chapter 14. This is where it gets juicy, okay? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Remember, go back to some of the kind of principle guiding rules of spiritual gifts. It's for the common good. It's for everyone. It's for mutual encouragement. So therefore, you kind of hear Paul's heart. Look, follow the way of love. Get your character. Get your motive right. This is really important. But hey, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's not the first time he said that. So there's going to be something within us that goes, you know what, I desire this. I love to, you know, to, to have the things that God wants to give me. Especially the gift of prophecy, because we know that the prophetic builds another person up. Verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Okay, here we have a huge clue. If you speak in tongues... Different to prophecy, you're not speaking to one another, you're speaking directly to God. So that tells me that tongues, in the first instance, that what Paul is talking about, and he reinforced this, which we'll see in a bit, is for private use, not public use. Okay? For private use. So this is the spiritual gift that is... A prayer language of communication between you to God, not like prophecy, which is to someone else. Okay, we're clear? For anyone who speaks in tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, okay, so if you didn't get it the first time, let me just reinforce that. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Okay, this is why it's private. Because when you speak in the heavenly prayer language of tongues, you're speaking to God, not to men. Is it you utter mysteries with your spirit? No one understands what you're saying. So people say, when I speak in tongues, shouldn't I understand what they're saying? Not with this 
tongues. We'll get to the interpretation in a moment. This is between you and God, and they're just thinking, what on earth are you saying? In fact, you're thinking the same thing. So when you pray in tongues, your actual own human mind does not know what you're praying. Okay, spirit within you is praying and connecting with God. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Okay, so he's just, again, doubling down on the argument. If you speak in a tongue, you edify yourself. If you prophesy, you edify the church. See the comparison again? That word edifies really means to be built up. Kind of a modern illustration that I think is really helpful, and you may find helpful, I don't know, is like to charge up your phone. Okay, who here has a panic attack when their phone dies? Okay, so we're in church here, safe space, we could talk about these things. Phone dies, oh no, what's going to happen? Why someone text me in the next three minutes? And so we stick the charger in and it charges up. When you speak in tongues to God, it edifies, charges, builds up yourself. Which is why it's such a powerful gift. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. And then, verse 5, here's Paul's heart, okay? I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. So hear Paul's heart here. Now, early on, um, I, I, I didn't uh, refer to this, but um, earlier on in, ver- in chapter 12, there's kind of like these rhetorical questions that are said, and it's kind of like, does everyone do this? Does everyone do that? And it's kind of saying, well, of course not. And does everybody speak in tongues? The thrust of chapter 12 would be no. But Paul, and it's not the only time he says it, is, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. So you can kind of go one way or the other. In my personal experience, anybody who's kind of wanted and eagerly desired the gift has ended up speaking in tongues. That's kind of my... But we, again, we don't... Let's go back to our guiding principles at the beginning. It's not something we're going to kind of major on, make it like some big trophy. I'm a super Christian. No, we're not going to do that. This is a gift which God is giving to help build yourself up. But Paul is saying, hey, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. In fact, if you flip over to verse 18, this is what Paul said. Look what Paul says. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So you can, you can sense Paul's heart here and desire. Is it, hey, when it comes to speaking in tongues, this is something that I do, and this is something that I would love you to do. And I thank God for it, and I thank God that I speak in tongues. Okay, verse 12. Chapter 14, verse 12. So is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Again, just a note there. The gifts of the Spirit are primarily for building up the church. And then we have some more insight into tongues. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He's kind of said this again, hasn't he? Is that when we speak in tongues, it's 
and actually the definition is the, is the Holy Spirit. So when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit is within us and it's that language that then springs up and when we speak in tongues, my mind is unfruitful. In other words, again, I don't know what I'm praying. All I know is this tongue is a way of communicating with God. Now just as a side here, it is not explicitly said here, but I would say implicitly implied if that's the right way of saying it. And this is why tongues is so powerful, is actually when you pray in tongues, you are praying the perfect will of God. How many times you pray stuff in English or in your own language, and it's kind of, I'm not 100% sure if I'm actually praying in line with what God wants here. The beauty of tongues is, is that you are praying exactly the right prayer which is why it can be so powerful in your own life and actually when you're praying for other people, but we'll get to that in a moment. I have all, I loved, uh, has anyone read Jackie Pullinger's book, Chasing the Dragon? Amazing book about this missionary out in Hong Kong who's seeing people from the triad gangs in Hong Kong set free from drug addiction. And um, wow, what a book, what an what a amazing lady. And one of the most powerful weapons in her ministry was tongues. When praying for people, but also when people were getting set free and um, they were coming off the drugs, is that they would find speaking in tongues incredibly powerful and helpful uh, for them. And uh, that's certainly been my experience, particularly in deliverance ministry and praying for other people um, in certain circumstances. So then we have a clue about what happens with tongues. Verse 15, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? The implication there is that when we pray in tongues, a couple of things are happening. First of all, it's a prayer language, and secondly, it is a language of praise. So you can understand the agony of the hymn writer who wrote, Oh, for a thousand tongues. Because when you are so, and this happens in the book of Acts, and we haven't got time to go into all of that, but what seems to be a marker of the filling of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit, is that people overflow out of their spirit into praise language, which is tongues. So, uh, or you're just being filled with the Holy Spirit and then just... The overflow of that is this prayer language, this heavenly language that is coming out of your spirit. Um, my own personal story is that I was um, about 12 years old, and it was late at night at my parents' house, about 10 o'clock, and my dad, I remember, we sat at the dining room table, and I went up to my dad, and as a... 12-year-old who's probably destined to be a pastor says, Dad, I'm frustrated with my Christian walk. <laughs> I mean, get a life. And, um, and there's got, I said, there's got to be more. So my dad said, are you speaking in tongues? Are you operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? My dad's mad as well. I'm like, No. Okay, so he said, right, sit down in the lounge. So there was no background music, there was no violin. Just me and my dad, 10 o'clock, mum's in bed. And he says, sit there, and he just says, come Holy Spirit. 
And then just like this outpouring of God's spirit began to have incredible heat from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, began to shake. And then he just said, open your mouth and begin to pray and praise. Pray to God and praise him. And then with that came this unfamiliar tongue. And that happened at 12 and I'm 42 and I've been doing it, my master's right, 30 years. And it's one of the greatest things in terms of my own personal walk to be able to do. So I, I, that was my personal experience. So this is what happens. God touches you. It's an encounter. You encounter the risen Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And one of the aspects, you see this in the early church, there was just this signs and wonders, prophecy, tongues was happening regularly. And so this is what happens. Okay, so we're going to do a bit of contrast now. And you will know that it said speaking in tongues, but it also said the interpretation of tongues. So, chapter 14, verse 13. Let's get into it. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should, should pray that he may interpret what he says. So let's go back to some of our guiding principles. Prophecy is to be uh, greatly encouraged, greatly desired. It's about the common good. It's about edifying other people. It's not about you, but we now clearly see that there is this language of tongues which is for the individual. Okay, so how does that play out in church life? I think that's really important. So there will come, like uh, Josh talked about last week, words of knowledge, wisdom, all these different things, that in the corporate gathering of church where a tongue will be said and that tongue is to be interpreted. So as someone says that tongue, then someone speaks, say in English, and is able to interpret what is being said, which is a prophetic message to the church. And it's one of those supernatural things that happens which is communicating this. God speaks today. God is building up his church. God is really interested in his church. And it's just a supernatural means of hearing God and God using the body of Christ. And we are one body, many parts, and of course that's major in, in these passages um, to communicate God's heart for the church. And so when we, if we're going to speak in tongues out loud now, I just need to put a bit of nuance on this. So in a setting like this, because the key is, we're going to come on to this, is order in a church, okay? So you need leadership. Um, there will be times when we're in worship that, of course, it's absolutely fine because it's not for interpretation for people to praise God in tongues. And that's not distracting to other people. It's not like we're trying to, God is trying to maybe speak in that moment to give a message, it's a language of prayer and praise. You may be praying for someone, and though we don't want to go to someone, we, we teach this in terms of how we pray for people and give dignity, is place our hands on people and start shouting tongues at them. No, we don't do that. Okay, it's inappropriate. But there may be moments, just as you're maybe waiting and just kind of like asking God, what are you saying, that you may just kind of like quietly just speak in tongues for a moment just to, yeah, maybe understand what God may be doing that moment and praying his perfect will into that situation. But again, tongues is for private use, not for the public, unless it's interpretation. 
Okay, so that just kind of sets up these next little little bits that we're gonna we're gonna look at. So twenty two of chapter fourteen, tongues then are a sign, not for believers but for unbelievers. Okay, right. What are you doing, Paul? It's going so well, and then you throw that curveball. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? (laughs) Paul's just saying what we're all thinking. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. How cool is that? Again, a key to what the gifts of the Holy Spirit is all about is that God is really among you. That he's speaking and there's a manifestation of his grace. So the idea is here, and you can see that um, in the preceding verse, verse 21, through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. The idea is here is that it's kind of like confirming what unbelievers think, which is kind of a weird way of putting it. Like tongues are a sign of confirming what people who don't go to church and don't follow Jesus think, which is you're mad and you're out of your mind. That's kind of what Paul is trying to say here. Therefore... So again, guiding lines, back to the principle, therefore prophesy. So if you really want to build up the whole church, don't all be going off in tongues, left, right, and center, where there's no interpretation, you're doing your own thing in a church context, and then people coming into the the service think you're mad. It's better to build up the church and prophesy, especially those who will come in, their secrets will be laid to bear, and then they'll fall down and go, hey, God speaks, God knows me, God's in the detail of my life, he really does love me, and therefore they worship God. Do you see the principle here? So there's a pattern of thinking, which I like because it's common sense. We talk about deeply spiritual things, but actually you don't have to go too far to understand that a lot of this is common sense. Okay, coming into land, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. So basically what Paul is trying to do now is trying to bring a bit of order to the church. He's trying to say, look, if, when, if tongues is happening, there needs to be, in a public way, there needs to be an interpreter. There needs to be interpretation. And if we're going to do that, there needs to be an order, which is why we have, myself, we have leaders, and we're able to kind of bring discernment, that's why you need the other gifts of the Spirit, you know, discernment, distinguishing of spirits, what's of the flesh, what's of the Spirit, that's why God puts leaders in place to help in these moments, okay? So, private tongues, prayer language, language of praise for personal use that will build you up, that will edify you. And essentially, when you speak in tongues, 
It is an utterance of the Spirit that is coming out of your mouth. It's coming out of your vocal cords. And it's something that you can open your mouth to do, and it's something you can close your mouth and stop. It's like a tap. It's not this thing that comes on you and goes, it's only in that moment, I speak in tongues, and then whatever, whenever God wants it to stop, I just stop. It is like when we pray any, at any point, any time. So just going about my life um, every single day, I'm constantly praying in tongues, praying in that heavenly language. And what it's doing is just my connection with God, my communication with God, my mind doesn't understand what I'm saying, but God does. And it's just a supernatural thing, and it's building me up, which is great, and we need that. And it's also praying in the will of God. Okay, so that's the private. Then interpretation is for when we're in a body, the body of Christ like this, and someone comes up and needs to be order, and they speak a tongue, and it's interpreted, and it is for the building up of the body of Christ because we see this over, overriding theme that's for the common good, and a prophecy is important because it's about encouragement and edification of the body. So one is edifying this individual, the other is edifying the body of Christ. And so... Um, finally, just for a couple of minutes, translation. We won't go into this, but if you read Acts 2, you see in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all these different known languages are spoken. Okay? And so people are speaking all sorts of different uh, languages. And that was like a unique moment in Pentecost. So if you read in Genesis uh, 11, God cursed um, humans for their, for their pride and um, so at Babel God caused people not to understand each other if you read Genesis 11 okay so what happens at Pentecost like with many things that happened at Pentecost there is a reversal of what happened with at the Tower of, of Babel and the outpouring of the Spirit brought unity together and broke all the barriers down. So notice in that text in the early church is that when the Spirit is poured out, like torrential rain is poured out, there's no bringing it back in, the Spirit of God is poured out, there is now no barriers. And it's going to go on all flesh, male and female, and the young and the old, and different ethnicities. And what happens is that people, there's a reversal of that, the unity of the early church is born is that people were able to understand their, that language. And so there are occasions, okay, this is my final point. <laughs> there are occasions where that translation interpretation kind of happens in the church in a prophetic way, which is remarkable and is a sign for unbelievers. So there are, this is quite rare, but there are moments where somebody could say in a meeting, they speak, I could stand up and speak, and it turns out it is fluent Chinese. I've never learned Chinese. And then someone's come in, and it happens to, they are Chinese, maybe not a Christian, and that is the exact message for them. And then they go, oh my goodness. And then they worship Jesus. So that's pretty rare. But I'm, all, I'm open, for, I'd like to see more of that if I'm honest, just put it out there. And so... Um, that's kind of where translation of tongues happens, uh, kind of interpretation in, in that way. Um, 
I'm going to teach you now how, to, how we receive this. Um, in, a, in a context like this, some of it you may not quite grasp. That's absolutely fine. Keep processing it. If you want to talk to me, uh, ask some questions, speak to your home group leader, that's absolutely fine. But that is like absolute basic understanding of, of tongues. So how we receive tongues is that we recognize, like, like we've seen, is that this is something that we need to eagerly desire. And often it happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, is that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is as we allow God to fill our mouths and just say, like, open our mouths really in faith, and we begin to speak to God and praise God, is that you will begin to start speaking in this other language. And it will sound a little bit like a baby trying its first word. Okay, so it won't sound like fluent, but if you think about any language you've ever spoken, you know, you, you, you do French GCSE, just going back a fair bit now, you know, you start with bonjour. <laughs> yeah, that's all I know. Um, you know, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit, neuf, dix. Thank you very much. That was the Holy Spirit. Where did that come from? Am I even right? Yeah. Joel, there we go. Joel's French, so. Thank you. That was amazing. Have you got an interpretation? Uh, You've got 10 seconds to wrap this thing up, John. That's the interpretation. So, look, you know, it's, it, that's, that's how it starts. And, it's a, it, and, and what I've noticed over the years is that where some of the couple of the barriers to this has often been um, usually unbelief, fear, doubt, that kind of thing. So one of the key things is to ask the Holy Spirit just to kind of like, hey, just get rid of that. And so the more you submit and surrender to God, then the more, as we know, Good stuff. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And to stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.